Yeah, good morning, everyone, and welcome to this Monday morning on Sky Sports Radio. And thanks for continuing to listen. If you've been listening to the boys on the Big Sports Breakfast this morning, don't change your radio anywhere. We've got a massive morning coming up. Not only this next hour, we'll be uh, review and have a look at uh, what's happening in racing with our panel of experts on the Putters Postmortem Winter Edition. We'll then have some previews for New South Wales Racing just after 10 o'clock. Our harness show on the pace will be uh, joined. Mick Guerin, big action to come out of Albion Park on the weekend and that winter carnival really going to get to a, a big crescendo there with the blacks of fake in a couple of days time and looking forward to 11 o'clock our monday's experts chat today with joe pride group one winning trainer joe pride really looking forward to that one a little bit later on but as mentioned in the intro we've got a good panel joining us today i'll say firstly good morning to brad davidson who joins us morning bradley how was your weekend mate yeah, morning, Dave. Morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, it was good, thanks. Yeah, had a good time. Uh, it was a good meeting there at uh, at Randwick on the weekend. Obviously, that win played a, a fair factor, and uh, no doubt getting a bit of cover and, and fencing run, I think, were, were both key throughout the day. Um, we saw some strange things happen late in the day. You don't often see horses that are renowned leaders like Expat trying to take a sit, but that was the case with that headwind. They were all trying to get a bit of cover from it. They certainly were. Uh, we've got also joining us on the line, Dean Lester. Uh, Dino, good morning to you, mate. Uh, a lot happening down there at headquarters on the weekend. Yeah, Dave, it was a, a really good meeting. Uh, I think uh, the highlight was very early in the day, though. Uh, the winner of I'm Thunderstruck uh, did just that. He left everyone a bit thunderstruck. That was a good field, and he put them away in one by four lengths. And just wonder if there's a little spring uh, aspiration for him now because he's a, a good talent, and uh, he really got to show it on the big track at Flemington on Saturday. Yeah, didn't he just let down like a nice horse? Chris Roots joins us from the Sydney Morning Herald as well. Chris, good morning to you, mate. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Dino and, and Brad. Um, what a great weekend it was Was with racing there. We, we got to um, sit at home and ha- have a bet because there wasn't much else to do and we're doing something on mental health grounds today with Glenn Munsey, I guess. Yeah, we certainly are. Munn's uh, in ISO at the moment, one of the LGAs in Sydney, so he, he's house uh, housebound, and he was meant to be... Well, in a normal world, we would have uh, Dino, uh, Duff, and also Munn's from our regular punters post-mortem, having a bit of a spell, probably travelling and enjoying our winter in this country and abroad, but unfortunately, with what's going on, uh, we're all locked in. Uh, Duff having uh, some time off, um, but Munns, you wanted to come on the program today, mate. Welcoming, really good tipping from from Friday, mate. Already a wrap here on the text line for you. Oh, thank you very much, Dave. Yes, I, I would rather be travelling at the moment. I've only missed uh, a trip to Adelaide, one to Byron Bay, and one to Grafton, and in uh, about ten days' time, I'll be missing one to Port Douglas. So it's quite quite a good time to be at home. <laughs> it's all right, mate. Uh, you put out on Twitter your uh, your little setup there at home. You've at least you you've got. The uh, the Alcatraz living like a king there at the moment. Um, and, uh, boys, I'm before on my we get... own, Dave, because my wife is locked oh. down in Victoria. She's in Victoria, yeah. Um, well, you uh, hopefully, the jobs we... I've got to do, even though she's <laughs> in a different state. I can imagine, uh, boys. Before we get into the racing on the weekend, there was some massive news announced in Sydney Town on Friday. We had the minister on the program as well to start racing HQ in relation to the invitation and uh, there's been uh, plenty of chat about it uh, i might come to to you here first chris because i saw an article you penned yesterday in the sydney morning herald and i'll get a, a, a comment from all of you about the race and about the carnival what's uh, what's your thoughts on the invitation chris well, well it's, a, it's a, an absolute good thing for the industry like with another two million dollar race i think mitchell beer put out where else in the world would would people be whinging that we've got another two million dollar race like this what what 
Sydney has done with its spring has revitalised racing and made racing a focus once again. People are now talking about it, and it got a bit stale there for a while. So it's not a bad thing that it's never a bad thing to have more prize money. But also, sports has tradition, and tradition does dictate that um, the Melbourne Cup is our biggest race. So you know you've got to you've got to respect that to some extent. And until these two um, warring parties, Racing Victoria and Racing New South Wales, sit down and try and work this out so that everything flows. We're going to be in a situation where um, everyone is defined by what side of the border the border they're on. Like Victorians are very parochial about their carnival, and anyone in New South Wales who has the temerity to sit up and say, "Oh, this is a good thing," gets yelled down by people south of the border. It's 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 become ridiculous in some ways that people can't just step back and say, "How well's racing going?" Yeah, I'll come to you here, Dino, um, because obviously you are south of the border. What was the, what's been the initial chat, and also your personal uh, thought on on these new races popping up and this booster prize money? I just want to see the best compete with the best, Dave. Whether it be Sydney, Melbourne, whatever, uh, and you know, I think uh, that seven days before the Empire Rose. Um, Maybe a fourteen hundred meter fillies and mares race is a better option than the Empire Rose, uh, and hence then you'll get the better race. That's fine, but it's also Cox Plate Day, and I'd like to see. I wouldn't like to have to think that you know riders have to make that uh, choice too often. Uh, we obviously they do it the week before an Everest Day with the Caulfield Cup, and that's. I think that's nearly the best day of racing we've got because we've got two states. We're at absolutely at the peak of their powers, but. Uh, you know, maybe that's where you know the baton sort of gets handed over a little bit. I'm not sure, but anyway, it's uh, it's there, and uh, it'll be a good race for the you know for the participants. There's no doubt uh, to have that option, and uh, you know. But I, I'm a, I'm a bit not so much a traditionalist, but I, I like a you now flowing pattern of wherever it be uh, that that the horses race now. So the Tristark on Corvair Cup Day will be virtually a non-event uh, at 1400. If you've got the, the two options, uh, you won't see any Sydney participation. They'll go to the uh, the invitation if that's uh, if they in fact get in, and then uh, and then the Empire Rose is seven days later. So does that get impacted? So I, you know that they're the, the little things that uh, I look at. Munns, uh, obviously it's uh, you know you're you're at the coalface on STC every Saturday. Uh, your thoughts when you saw it uh, all announced. Well, I think to take, I think Chris is the only one that's really come out and taken a balanced view uh, of what's going to happen here. There's both parties that are going to put their points forward, Dave. Some parties, Dean has just said, which would you could file Dino's comments, and I don't want to take words out of his mouth, but that, that dilution, um, you know, you're diluting probably your jockeys, particular horses, but you know, the the thing is, the reason it's been done is to is to boost Sydney racing. And Sydney Racing, New South Wales Racing, survives on turnover, vastly uh, out of turnover. And uh, Racing New South Wales want uh, their customers or any customers to potentially bet more on New South Wales Racing because the returns go to New South Wales Racing. I've said it for years and years, Dave. You know, by adding to the top end 
of the market, what happens to the bottom end of the market? Now, as soon as this race came out, there was people there making their comments on social media and the like saying, righto, that, that's all, all well and good for, to put a $2 million invitation-only race on, but that's going to that's gonna feather the beds of the top end of the market. What's happening to the bottom end of the market? And the, the bottom end of the market is strong at the moment, and you've only got to look at the what horses are bringing in the online digital sales. But the costs at the bottom end of the market are going up just as much, but they're not getting the rewards at the bottom end of the market. So I know Richard Freeman is a champion for the fact that to make maiden races worth more money to keep people involved at their first win. Mm. Brad, uh, Brad Davidson, uh, your thoughts, comments as well? Yeah, I think Mum makes a good point there around that, that bottom end and uh, about um, you know getting those, those maidens right up and... And, uh, and races like that, uh, obviously, you know, your track work riders and, and whatnot as well. I mean, I'd love down the track to see a, a little uh, 1% sort of, you know, fund in, in for those guys from prize money or whatever it is just to sort of help, you know. We've we got that big divide, don't we, between what a track work rider earns to compared to what jockeys earn with prize money and that. And, and they're still working every every morning and, and the strappers and all that sort of stuff as well. But, look, uh, I, I'd like to see it not clash as well. And I, I think if I put my punter's hat on here... I, I think I think it's fair to say there's there's probably a little bit of frustration out there with with some punters um, from the fact that you know it seems like the participants at, at the moment uh, you know going from strength to strength the trainers are, are getting you know the extra prize money the jockeys are getting uh, their their share of that but at the same time that you know the punters are we're still betting into into you know very very big percentage markets early on there's no minimum bet laws at the moment. Um, you know, there's no standardised across deductions across Australia, which would which would be great across all the bookmakers and and just things like that. I think there's a few things we could do for the customers, for those punters, um, to to really boost there as well. The participants seem to be getting um you know boost after boost, and I think the punters would would love to see a, a little bit in in those areas as well. Boys, um, and I might come back to you here, Chris, uh, for this because it was something, and I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. Does racing have its uh, blinkers on too much? And, and what I mean by that is, <clears throat> pardon me, is that, um, right, this race is on. Uh, I understand, you know, dilution. And we're obviously very close to the issue and we live and breathe it and we want success for our race. But coming back to what Brad was just saying there about the, the punters and, and the customers, if we sat in uh, a pub, hopefully, um, in October or we sat in a lounge room or we had access to all the, the punters clubs chats and, you know, the the standard customers that we have every week, on that particular day when that race is on, would we see the conversation, you know, flying around saying, oh, well, I'm not going to have a bet in this race because the field's being diluted and, um, you know, this jockey's racing here or racing there? Or would it simply be, hey, listen, I heard Dino on uh, on radio declaring this. I heard Munns tipping this. Would the show just still go on? Um, and, and really, you know, is it is it still a, an opportunity for, as you said, um, some big bells and whistles to be to be thrown at. Yeah, the the show does go on, Dave. I, I think people are going to bet on what what product they're given, but what the sport has to do is give a focal point for 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 it. Like we've got in in rugby league, we've got state of origin, we've got grand finals, we've got finals. In cricket, we've got test matches. Um, a World Cup every so often. We've got the Olympics coming up every four years for some sports. What racing is doing at the moment, particularly in Australia and particularly in the spring, is 
um, not having a focal point. So there is a focal point as such for sprinters in that the Everest is on at in Sydney, and that's the race that every sprinter wants to be in. There is a focal point that in the Cox Plate where every major middle distance horse should be there. But with horses being pushed and pulled to different targets, and let's face fact, if you've won a Group 1 with a mare already and there's $2 million online at 1,400 metres in Sydney and you could go and try and win a Group 1 at Flemington worth 500000 You've already got the value in your mare, so you're trying to get as much prize money as possible. So, gonna, of course, they're going to come to Sydney. Now, we hear hear about hear hear a lot of this this chatter about where whether where the markets are what the markets are going to do and things like that. Of course, people are always going to have a bet, and they're always going to have an opinion, particularly on big racing. But what I want to see is I want to see Jamie Carr and James McDonald on on the same program more often. I want to see. Um, all our horses on the same program more often. The great thing about the Melbourne Spring, particularly on Derby Day, used to be that there'd be form lines coming from everywhere and you had to be parochial in the horses you wanted to be with. So in those days, New South Wales was parochial about its horses. Victoria was parochial about its horses. The Queenslanders would come down occasionally and be wanting to back theirs. We need days like that that give racing this absolute focus that draws everyone's attention in. And and that, in turn, will drive markets and push down percentages in betting markets because people are all having a bet. Uh, anyone want to chime in there, boys? Are we all in agreement? Don't all jump at once. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. Once. No, I'm totally in agreement. Yeah. yeah I agree. It'll be very interesting to see uh, how, it, how it all unfolds. Uh, I know that uh, the announcement came through on Friday. Uh, and, look, as I said, you know what? At least we're talking about this and not some busted, uh, you know, um, opportunity or not opportunity. or uh, I was going to say busted sector of the community that's going backwards like other jurisdictions around the world. And we're not racing for ribbons. We've actually got some serious opportunity. The other thing I'll say too, Chris, just to your point is... Um, you can follow that tradition path and you can go wherever you want, but at the end of the day, it's, it, it's, uh, just because there's a carrot dangled in front of you, that's, that's not the fault of, I, I don't, I don't think that should be the fault of, of the administrator. It really comes down to the trainer and the owner what they want. Yeah, you gotta go where your best, you know, yeah, you think the best opportunity to win the most amount of money is. So that's, that's, that's the nature of the beast. And just to go back to the point about, about racing, in every other sector in the world, like any other business, your top end gets paid more than your bottom end. So if you're elite, you get paid more than the person who isn't elite who's, who's down, the, down, the, down the chain from you. So why shouldn't we be um, praising our elite? I'm all for maidens getting taken, given a bit of extra money, but I think if you're going to give maidens extra money, it should only be to the winner because um, horses, horses that are riding in those maidens and not winning... Uh, are really just going to pick up too much money and and it causes another problem down the bottom of the market. So if they were to look to boost maidens, I would think the best way to do it would make make a Bob's bonus maybe worth double or triple on some of those races and see what see whether that drives drives people to run in them. Let's talk about uh, Saturday. Uh, first off, a couple of texts here on the track, uh, Davo, and from your assessment of the Randwick surface, and anyone chime in here afterwards as well, uh, how are you sort of, what are you putting in your notes for the meeting? 
um, yeah. after this after Saturday. Yeah, I think cover was a, a big key, particularly down the side of the track in those sprint races and um, and fencing run for mine, particularly the first eight races, was a, a key advantage. But I think any form analyst who doesn't factor in wind into their uh, into their factors before a race before Saturday would be uh, would be thinking seriously about that going forward. Because if if you didn't think wind played a factor there on the weekend, you're kidding yourself. Because we saw uh, what Expat did there in, in race number nine. It was trying ever so hard to find a sit, um, a horse that is a natural leader and races best in front, but just because of that headwind, I mean, they were left in front, they had to lead, but they were doing everything possible to take a sit, and we saw that with Fortune Seeker just tucking in behind as well. So you needed cover from that wind, and uh, fencing run was also a key advantage. All right. Um, Munns, a text here on the text line. I'm not sure if you've got it available to you, but what was the best-backed runner and collect on Saturday? What did they just hone in on? Was it late in the program after they established that pattern? Oh, no, Le Chavalier, uh, Dave. Yep. Um, you know, we, we, I said on Thursday night, uh, Friday morning, Saturday morning, Saturday during the day. When when they come for a horse Wednesday, they sometimes it's, you know, there's a tip out for it or whatever. Then, But when they butter up Thursday, but then they butter up again Friday and even Saturday, it, it, um, it was t- uh, $2.30 to $2 on Saturday morning. I know it got back to 2.20 when they jump, but traditionally uh, they tend to get out just a little bit like that. But horses don't continue to firm like that, that are hard in the market. I know Brad was, I think he was pushing the barrow to get it out anyway, although he was on it early. Um, (laughs) You know, with the the fact that James McDonald didn't ride it, they didn't concern themselves there. When it was One Alley and Tim Clark, um, punters didn't shy away from it whatsoever because um, I said during the preview on Saturday morning when Richard Haynes actually asked me the question, do you think it'll get out? And I said, no, it won't because the second pick's unlayable in, in Zing and there was nothing really that they wanted to come for that, w- that was going to firm in the market to the extent where the favourite was going to get out appreciably. So it, it was the best back runner all day. All right, okay, let's go down to Melbourne, Dino, because there's a couple of questions here on Dino. First off, that track uh, in Melbourne, this similar sort of text here. Um, what exactly uh, are going to be in your notes when you assess this track from Flemington? Uh, there are a couple of showers during the day, Dave. Probably made the inside uh, just inferior, but uh, not excessively, but the, the actually uh, the riding, prop they probably uh, steered off it later in the day anyway, so... Uh, down the straight, they're out wider, um, but uh, overall, you know, it was it was good winter going. Okay, perfect. Uh, in terms of uh, performance, this particular text says, guys, can you ask Dino here uh, what he thinks of uh, I'm Thunderstruck? You mentioned it in the opening comments. I mean, uh, were you surprised at how much it, it put on that field? Because um, Tuvalu is uh, not a bad horse for Lindsay Smith. I was very surprised. Uh, look, he was a good winning chance going into the race, hence he was favourite, but he was a $4.20 favourite. He wasn't odds on or anything, and he won like a twos on shot. Uh, he was really dominant and beat some informed horses. Tuvalu will improve. I, I thought that was the first time he'd really experienced a high-pressure race and, uh, you know, on not on his terms, and he ran well. Uh, he had recent winners like Hickok running third. Uh, I thought Basawa ran quite well, uh, second run for Danny O'Brien. Uh, but the disappointment there was Sir Davey, who was unlucky at Flemington two starts back, but just didn't turn up on Saturday. So maybe at the back end of a preparation. But uh, yeah, certainly I'm thunderstruck. Uh, he uh, he won by a big margin, and then when you see that he ran uh, like nearly two seconds quicker than the next race, and they seemed to go along at a good speed, uh, it was qu- it was quite a uh, spectacular win, really. 
certainly was. Now, we're going to open up the the, uh, the call line here, guys. If you've got a question for our panel today, 13.53.53. So give us a call. We've opened up those lines now. Brad, I'll come back to you here in regards to Sydney. I'm going to comment from all of you as well. Wanting to know your thoughts on the winner in the first, War Eternal. Um, and do you reckon it's a horse to follow? Yeah, look, definitely a horse you can uh, stick with going forward. He was 1,100 up to 1,400 away from his home track there. Yes, he was on the fence in run, which was the key, but I thought he really knuckled down late there to, to get the job done. He's by Piero. I think he'll get a bit further in time as well. And just taking that natural jump from the distance, it was a, it was a pretty good win. I want to be forgiving of Honey Creeper. I thought she was disappointing on face value to start with, but then once we learned the pattern of the day, she wasn't fence in run, which was the key there. So you could be a little bit forgiving there. And even Revivalist running into that headwind, there weren't many leaders who kicked like... Uh, it did all day, so it was a pretty good run too. But War Eternal can definitely be a horse to follow for sure. Boys, uh, comment on War Eternal. Come to you, Chris. Yeah, brilliant ride by Kieran McAvoy. He summed up the conditions before anyone else did. Got cover, kept cover, kept cover, kept cover. Got eight off the back of of Revivalist and just got the be- just had the horse with a with a, a, enough turn of foot to win the race. Um, nice, another nice horse for Carl Holt there. I think it'll go through its grades. I think uh, Revivalist was very good. Um, didn't really go that quick, but, geez, it was uh, it was solid at the end, and I think it'll win more races. Honey Creeper, if you, if you have, go and have a look at the head-on, when those those two-year-olds started getting blown around, they were they were all over the place. So um, you might get a price about it next start because um, I've, I've won the feat, so I'd be, I'd be forgiving of each run. Um, I don't think it was a bad race, really. With a field of six, I, I wouldn't mind following the first four in the race. I'd throw in Timphonist as well. He's a big, awkward-looking thing. It was interesting. If you look at him at Hawkesbury, he travelled, you know, just uh, behind the speed at Hawkesbury. He didn't seem to be um, all that sort of knows what goes on. Put it that way. He's, he's, he's still learning in what he's doing. But the winner did enough going 1,100 to 1,400. The second horse who cut the breeze. When you look at the races there, the the only horses that made significant ground were in the, the 1,600-metre race and the uh, the 1,800-metre races. So, you know, the, 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 the horses that hit the bend into the wind, the 14, the 12, the 1,000s, um, they were the horses that figured in the finish all day. So... Um, to do what he did, Revivalist, and uh, he's another horse improved with blinkers on on Saturday as well. So I don't think that's a bad race, the first. All right. Um, we've got our first caller on the line, guys. Rod's on the line. Morning, Rod. Uh, good morning. I'd like to ask Dean a question or two. If it's yes, possible. mate. Way you go. Yep. Well, Dean, what happened to Beverly Buckingham? She was a really good rider years and years ago. Oh, she had a, a really bad fall in Tasmania, well... Yeah, I wouldn't know how long ago now, 20, 23, 24 years ago. And uh, and originally it was feared she was going to be a paraplegic, but she's, uh, yeah, she uh, uh, was able to regain her mobility. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if she's still in the industry, but she's in Tasmania. Yeah, but she, she was the first female jockey to win a, a premiership in Australia, wasn't she? Yeah, so I think so. You know, certainly of, of uh, significance, uh, winning the... The Tasmania. Tasmanian Premiership, yeah. Yeah, she certainly shouldn't be forgotten. But uh, another question I want to ask you quickly, Dean. What? Do you, how good do you think that Grand Promenade is? Jamie Carr rode, rode him in the last race. He won quite easily in that staying series down in Melbourne. 
Yeah, I, I think he's a really good horse. Uh, um, yeah, he's going to be aimed up at the try and get into the Melbourne Cup, so he'll go via the the Bart Cummings about a month before. So uh, that's that's the plan with him. You'll see him in about a month's time at Mooney Valley, and then a uh, couple of runs at Flemington, and hopefully into the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, he's a horse I want to keep my eye on. Thanks very much, Dino. Thank you. Beautiful. My pleasure. Thank you very much for that, Rodney. Thanks for calling up, mate. Um, I've got another text here on the uh, text line. G'day, guys. Can you ask the boys uh, their genuine thoughts of um, La Chavalie, uh, which was that uh, winner which Munns mentioned, which was the best-backed runner? I'll come to hear you here, Brad Davidson. Was that just the right place at right time in regards to race setup, distance, uh, you know, track conditions, etc., or is it a horse that we can, she a horse that we can genuinely follow through? That's where this question's going. Yeah, look, I think she got her right set up there on the weekend, no doubt about it. Then had the big way. She found the fence in run. Eighteen hundred was going to suit in the wet track, so she ticked every possible box. And to, um, also the fact that Tim Clark put in an eleven out of ten. He hunted up early. He kept that uh, box seat position, which was which was really the place to be on the day. And then got out at the right time um, before the turn. So uh, she's still a horse that can win races for sure, particularly on wet ground. Um, now that she's seen eighteen hundred out, no issue at all as well. But I'd be mindful of that going forward, the fact that she, you know, got absolute uh, peak there. Everything went right there on the weekend. Boys, comment or come to you, Chris? Yeah, she 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 got got the, all the picnic, all the Christmases at once on the weekend, and that's why she started $2. As soon as it was obvious she was going to run, she was the only horse you, you really wanted to be on in that race. Whether she can go on and win another couple, she might win another one, but... You know, those sort of horses at this time of year find their level very quickly. They certainly do. Dean, do you find when you're doing your form um, that you just, when, especially around these time, you know, time of year with, with tracks and weather and, and, and quality of horse, not saying that they're bad, but they just take their turns. You, you can't sort of follow horses through, so to speak. Yeah, and I tend to go with the, you know, the, unless it's a really bottomless track, those on the up, you know, relatively early in the prep. And some of these horses get deeper into preparations and you know that they're going to be competitive, but they're sort of just marking time and sort of maintaining rather than being prepped right up for a, a big peak run. And, uh, you know, I think that's they're the things you've got to take into account a little bit. Dino, was she a horse at home that she didn't seem to be overly comfortable for about a 400-metre period there from probably the 800 to the turn? But as she got further into the race, she started to build, which tends to, you know, she might be just looking for a fraction further. But what was she like at home? Well, she was sort of trending that way, Munns, and then had the long time off, I think, with uh, maybe knee chips or something like that. Uh, And this has been a steady build with her, so I wouldn't think that there's uh, a, a real problem with the running 2000 and and the, the wet grounds what she loves she uh, she got on a couple of really wet tracks down here and, and dominated uh, last winter as a three-year-old filly so uh, no i think uh, i wouldn't think 2000 is beyond her yeah and i think a big forgive out of that race dave was amoretti who i said on friday morning i thought was the danger to la chabalie uh it had cardiac arrhythmia um, and uh, Tommy basically eased it out of the race, but it was a sensational run, its previous run at Rose Hill. So I, I know Brad's a big forgiver of the cardiac arrhythmia, aren't you, mate? Yeah, I actually put him in one of the horses to follow because of that simple fact that I always say that the start after cardiac arrhythmia is the day where they generally, the market overreacts and they, they drift too much. And uh, as you said, terrific run prior. I think next time out, this horse could go around a good price and will be hard to beat. 
autumn, the winter edition. Phone lines, they're open, 13.53.53. If you've got a question for any of our panel, please call now. Darley Stallions. They win. September run driven out and the filly is going to do it again down the straight. They sell. At 2.1 million, he goes done. They get you to the big days. She has to dig deep the filly and Montefilia claims the two group ones in a week. Darley Stallions, they win, they sell, they get you to the big days. If you only breed one, breed with Darley in 2021. Join Hancock's Racing Number 10 Limited. Affordable and fun. Own and race seven horses for three years for only $1,450. No more to pay. Payment plans available. Colts and fillies all by top 20 size with leading trainers in five states. For the PDS, call Shelley or Rod on 03 5274 9171. Website hancocks.com.au. That's Shelley or Rod 03 5274 9171. Hancocks.com.au. This is a message to all local businesses. On behalf of all radio listeners. Let's hear from you. Yeah, we want to know when your shoes are on sale. If you can help me remortgage. Or landscape my yard. There's more of us listening to radio than ever before. In our cars, on our phones, laptops, smart speakers. In fact, 95% of all Australians. That's a lot of potential new customers. So come on. We're all ears. Advertise on radio and watch your business grow. For help with radio advertising, visit radioalive.com.au. Annabelle Neesham on Gay Waterhouse. My alarm used to go off at two o'clock. And I actually think when I worked for her in Melbourne for the carnival, I'm pretty sure from memory my alarm went off at quarter to two every morning because we had to get them on the walker, horse walker before um, the next door stable did. So I think we started at half two from memory. It was bloody hard work, but it was a good learning curve. Monday's Experts. Monday's Experts. 11am Monday on Racing HQ. This is Punter's Postmortem Winter Edition, taking your calls on 135353. Yeah, with your calls on 135353, the winter edition of Punter's Postmortem, of course, uh, with Chris Roots, Brad Davidson, Dean Lester, and Glenn Munsey. And we've got a caller on the line, I believe. Um, where have we got there, Boydo? We've got Matt on the line. Morning, Matt. Hey, Dave. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. What's, what have you got for us? I've got two. I've got one that won pretty convincingly in uh, Brisbane, that Dream Reacher. Just wondering where they might be taking that. And thoughts on it, obviously. And um, the test, I think it was, in um, Sydney on the weekend. It won at 20 to 1. Just wondering where they might, what they might do with it as well. I'll come to you here, Brad, on the Sydney one first for Tess, mate. I mean, gee, that uh, that that finish was deceptive. I thought the horse on the outside had won it. Yeah, definitely right. I think everyone thought that. I uh, think Free had won the race, but uh, Vitesse got the bob in at the right time. Look, I thought it was a big win. I mean, the figures were a little bit soft out of it, but the fact it was a big win was pretty much defied the pattern of the day. It was wide, no cover off the track, um, you know, copping that headwind, and was quite keen in the run as well, as we know Vitesse can be um, considering that. So, with all that in mind, I thought it was a terrific win. She's that type of horse, though, that I don't think they'll be setting any grand heights. I think they'll be looking for another benchmark race in a couple of weeks with her and, and just trying to pick off those, um, you know, between 78s and 88s and, and those fillies and mares types of races because that's, that's sort of her level at this time of year. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure about the Queenslander, but that would be my uh, take on the test. 
Yeah, just um, just going kind to of, kind of flick a text off to you, Matty, to uh, Michael Maxworthy. That was a Class 3 with Dream, dream Captures, so you might just see Gillian Heinrich take that horse uh, through the grades. But that was a good win with uh, Jimmy Orman on board. Thanks for your call, mate. Thanks, mate. Cheers, Matty there. All right, we're going to go to our next caller shortly. Uh, we're seeing plenty pop up. Give us a call, 13.53.53. Raymond's on the line. G'day, Raymond. Yeah, man. How you been? Good, mate. What's your question? Uh, Knight's order. Do you reckon it'll run in the Melbourne Cup, Caulfield Cup? I might, uh, I might come down to you, Dino, here. Knight's order, the gay waterhouse horse. What do you think? Oh, I'm sure he'd be aimed that way. Uh, why not? Um, so, yeah, I would think he'd be certainly Melbourne Cup bound anyway. Beautiful, right? That's all you got for us? Yep, that's it. Champion. Nice and Dave. easy. Nice and easy. Dave, he's, yes, he's mate. definitely going to the Melbourne Cup after the after the Caulfield, after the Caulfield, after the Brisbane Cup win. He was bought as a Melbourne Cup horse, so I dare say he'll have a bit of time out and go along that line. And knowing how Gay likes to train these horses to go to the Melbourne Cup, I think the Caulfield Cup would be in line, although there's races in Sydney where they could, could keep it up here. It just depends whether she wants to campaign it through a Melbourne stable or a Sydney stable. Beautiful. Uh, come to you here, Dino, and then I'll come to um, Munns and Brad on Brendan Abdullah, but... A lot of love here for Ben Mellum on the uh, the text line. Uh, Dino, he's come back. He obviously had that uh, stretch on the sidelines, and he's um, he's riding very good. Uh, he certainly is. Uh, he was riding great before his uh, break, and uh, he's uh, he's back. He's uh, he rode uh, sadly he rode a really good race on the good fight to knock off Sweet Thomas on Saturday, and uh, yeah, but uh, he is going very very well, and uh, for. Considering he's had five months on the sidelines, he's going to finish in the top ten in uh, in Melbourne. So it's a, a pretty good effort. Yeah, it is a sensational effort, um, boys. A uh, couple of love, a bit of love here for Abdullah on the text line. I'll come to you here, Brad, uh, about uh, Brenton's rides. Obviously, he picked up uh, the fast Coney win where he stuck uh, to the inside, and uh, what was the other win, uh, Lord Zoolander, where. He's uh, he, he gets his opportunities, um, Brenton, in a very tough jockey's room here in Sydney. Yeah, he, he rode the track there well on the weekend, didn't he? I mean, you look at all these rides across the day, it's Lily, A to B, Cafe Royal, Fast Coney's, Lord Zoolander. They all found fencing run, so um, he knew that was the place to be. Obviously, didn't have any luck on A to B there in the Tab Highway when they raced tight in the straight, but got the job done on Fast Coney, Lord Zoolander. We saw him with the Winter Stakes recently on Bandersnatch and the Civic Stakes on that horse as well. So we know how, uh, how good he is. He just probably lacks those uh, opportunities that some others do, um, unfortunately. But um, no, when he gets those opportunities, he, he gives them every chance. Beautiful. Abdullah, I'll get a comment from you, Munns. Ruta here. Um, he's, he's just riding in great form at the moment. He's getting some good support too. He's, he, he's, um, he's, a sort of, he's the sort of jockey that you just, just, just like because he's so strong as well. And... Um, you know you're going to get um, put in the right position, and if you're in a finish, you're not going to be lacking anything in strength. Months. Yeah, he, he, well, he's a thinking rider. He, he, he didn't. Uh, he, I had a little joke with him on Saturday. He said, you know, after he won on Lord Zoolander, I said to Lizzie, I said, make sure you tell him that, you know, uh, he's not the only one that realises you've got to be on the fence here today. And he thought that was quite funny, but um, he, he 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 rides purposely if he finds the right spot. 
if the track's playing right to the inside, he'll chance his arm. Now, it didn't come off all the time. He's done it uh, two highways in a row. Um, you know, fancy you say to yourself, well, gee, A to B was lucky, unlucky in the highway Saturday. Couldn't get a run along the inside. It had barrier 18, uh, with less all the scratchings, of course. And Anathol, the previous week, had barrier nine in a field of 13, and it had no luck on the inside because the inside was the place to be at Rose Hill. He's got a thought where he thinks the best part of the track will be, and if he can give his horse every possible opportunity to find that right spot, that's what he'll do. It may not come off 100% of the time. Jason Collett's a very, very similar rider. It may not come off 100% of the time, but when it does, you'll be very, very happy. Certainly the case. Uh, let's get to our next caller. I think we've got Brian on the line. Morning, Brian. Yeah, good morning. Uh, just just want to see if Tina and I said anything about the uh, change of the uh, first emergencies at Caston today. Is that because they were transferred from Warrnambool or not? Because most of the first emergencies have all got to run, like race two, race two, number 11, uh, race four, number seven. And they're all first emergency, race seven, number 11, and the last race, number seven again. They're, they're all first emergency. They've been promoted up the order today. Um, uh, it, scratchings, at, aren't they? Yeah, yeah isn't it because of scratchings? Yeah. Yeah. He's not talking about Narromine and Wellington, is he? No, no, Cassidy and Munch. No. Oh no, because I think you, you've, I think a it's similar situation happened at Narromine and Wellington actually, because the, you can start more at Narromine than Wellington. Yeah, well, no, I think there just there's an abundance of scratchings. Cassidy's a, a fair haul uh, for the the Melbourne. Yeah, Warnable's far enough for Melbourne, but Cassidy's yeah. next level. So uh, I think that's why there's uh, a lot of scratchings. So that's more yeah. the point. I'm yeah. just wondering why the emergencies got included in the field. And the, and all the other emergencies were in their in their order on the bottom. So, mm. no. can you wait for that? Take race two, number eleven was emergency, and fourteen was the second emergency. Yeah, but yeah, well, twelve, twelve scratched. 11. Yeah, well, numbers five, six, ten, and twelve scratched. So, yeah, uh, eleven, thirteen, and fourteen got in. Yeah, yeah, but take. Take, um, take. Uh, there was once race six, number three was the first emergency, but he he's got scratched, but he was listed as first emergency. Uh, okay. What I'll do is yeah. I'll give you I'll give you Dino's mobile. You can give yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be good. After the show, <laughs> you're being locked down, uh, Dino, not, taking the call. Not knowing, not um, knowing what happened there, Dave. I reckon what's happened is there's been a ballot order and they've had to reduce the field, so. The first horse in the next in the ballot order has been made first emergency. Well, what happened with that horse in race six? That's an unusual one because yeah, they made the field smaller because it was Casterton, and Lama actually raced yesterday. So on the two day rule, uh, he would have been the first eliminated. So that's uh, I'm now with the uh, now with the caller cool. and uh, with the caller. Yeah. You're with the caller, Dino. Well, I understand where he's coming from. The other race, no, no, they were just scratchings, but that race. Race six, uh, yeah, Lama's listed as an emergency. But when the original fields were drawn up, they run 14 yeah. at the 2000 at Warrnambool, but they only run 12 at the 2000 at Casterton. All right, we'll just um, we'll just keep punching along. Now, mm. uh, <laughs> who are we? Oh, there we got Jason on the line. 
Yeah. Jason, good morning to you, mate. Good day, mate. Just a uh, quick one. Incentivise. That thing Moody took over, that was winning them races at prison in the carnival. Yep. I think it's about $6, $7 a quarter field cup. Is, is it qualified? Like, it would have to win a race early in the carnival to qualify, wouldn't it? Uh, depending on how many internationals will come out, I think uh, those uh, that last win probably gets him up to about. I think I, heard, I saw uh, Greg Carpenter say about fifty two, fifty two and a half at the weights, and that will nearly get you in the Caulfield Cup this year, I would think. But uh, I think if they want to shore it up, they'd want to win a race beforehand. Yes, yeah, I was thinking. I've been with a postage stamp, and yeah, suppose fans of the internationals. And just mm. a quick one, like well, not a bad judge in that Southern District. Johnny Scores, is he still a Scotty? You know, is he holidays or something? I'm plenty afraid. I think he's on a big holiday at the moment, just relaxing, oh, Johnny. Oh, so, follow him on Twitter. Watch this space. Now, um, we've got Mark on the line. Morning, Mark. Thanks for your call, yeah. by the way, there, Brian. Mark, good morning. Yeah, Dave. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, Mr. Hustle's on my mind, mate. Um, he's win on Saturday. Uh, I can't believe the price, actually, that, that they bet. The 23s and then 18s on, on Saturday. Um, if you're a Ford student like I study a fair bit of form, if you saw his win at Musclebrook when he beat at Hooray Henry, and Hooray Henry came out and running faced against Brandon, Brandenburg that uh, raced in the Group 1, group one races, uh, doing what he did in that run, and obviously then he won a Dubbo at a dollar thirty five. And then to make it a little bit more juicy was the fact that Cameron Crockett come on your, your show or on Saturday morning and thought it was a moral win at Dubbo in a Class 2. Um, and the track work on Monday, he said, went really well and could have blo- you know, wouldn't have blown out a candle. And mm. uh, then the money come for it. But I just can't get over the price. He's a serious racehorse. I know he had two years off, and that was the, obviously the issue. But he's a very good horse. That win at Musclebrook, as I said before, to come wide, give him 10 or 15 lengths at, at the start and circle, and a win by three with 60 kilos... Yeah. And they bet those sort of odds. I mean, I did have a nice collect on it, but, yeah, I was wondering uh, what the boys' opinion of the of Well, the I'll go to Brad Davidson here first, um, and then I'll get a comment from, from Munns and Ruda, and you can chime in too if you want, Dino. But I just think um, he's, we know he's a very good horseman, Cameron Crockett. Uh, and it was just sensational training to have the horse ready to go from that long layoff. Um, well done. Yeah, terrific training performance, wasn't it? First of all, to that listen, that's what I love about the punt. You can see there he, the passion about getting that long price winner, and he's obviously done his homework, gone back, done all the form lines, and and well done to the uh, the caller there getting the big price. But you're right, it, it was a big training performance. He did have those two big wins, and obviously the concern was first up off that really long break. But um, yeah, I mean he was outstanding. Found the right part of the track there, and of course Anatol was a bit. Bit stiff, didn't have a great deal of luck, but really all honours to him. And that's three from four now um, for Mr. Hustle. And off that first up win and the improvement to come, you'd have to think he, he, he's just going to continue to go from strength to strength. And who knows, he might even find himself in a, in a Kosciuszko in a few months. Anyone else want to chime in? Uh, Runa, Munns, I mean, it was a great training performance. And that's one of these things about these highways. Um, we, we get these sort of, you know, stories to come out of him when these blokes get to showcase themselves on the big stage, these trainers. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable, Dave. Dave. Um, as on, you said, a great training performance. And, and there, there's got to be a little bit more to come. I, I don't know about talking about Kosciuszko's with it just yet. I think there's a, a lot of horses that are better credentialed at the moment, but... I think it'll have to come back to town and win a cup, win a race or two to be in the Kosciuszko. But I know Cameron Crockett would love to have a runner. 
All right, let's go to our... Or, or go months. Sorry, mate. Yeah, unbelievable. When you consider Cameron was on on uh, Saturday morning, you know, he'd, he'd had a, a wind operation. He'd done a suspensory. Uh, he'd had another problem. He had a fractured pelvis. Uh, but it, you, these sort of horses, you, there's a reason why they're kept in work for as long as they have. The, the abilities got him there. And uh, he, he was actually well supported on Saturday. He was $18 into $12 for that race there. Very uh, rarely you see a horse, you know, with 600 days off uh, being able to win first up the, traditionally. Uh, you're always wary about them their next run because uh, they're so far away. But, you know, uh, I think Cameron would have been tipping at an absolute moral had the track not been as heavy as it was. He did say that, it, you know, had he taken it, he was going to take it to Dubbo. Now, he said if the track wasn't a heavy 10 at Dubbo, he would have went to Dubbo, which probably dulled your confidence a little bit that he's kept it in to run it at Randwick if he thought it was a good thing at Dubbo. But um, he's got the money and uh, he's got a nice horse on his hands. All right, uh, let's get to our next caller. I think we've got uh, Terry on the line. Morning, Terry. Good morning, fellas. Uh, I just What's had a your question. question? Uh, just following off what Brad said about the wind uh, at uh, Randwick on Saturday, but I think it was, uh, from my uh, listening to the early commentary, it was fairly windy both in Adelaide and I'm not sure so much about Flemington, but... Uh, because the guy from Adelaide said, oh, we had gusts of up to 60 kilometres an hour. That was early in the morning, but he believed it was going to die down during the day. But I wanted to ask Dino and perhaps Munns, um, how much of a factor do you, do you take wind into your assessment of a runner? And is it just simply the leaders that you would look at? And following on from that, just with Munns, do you actually have someone that... Um, takes um, the wind gust during the program or is it just you just start with what it is at the beginning of the day and go with that? Uh, no, I, I, I very much doubt whether we've got anyone there with a... Um you know, a wind sock or anything, or they're taking the gusts throughout the day because uh, I don't know whether there's any equipment. I know, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll bow to Dino here, I'm sure, Dean, at Caulfield and probably Flemington, on their apps, they actually uh, measure the wind. Uh, they do. Uh, Flemington's got a thing called Wind Tracker. If you go on the Flemington race course or Flemington uh, VRC app, uh, you can go to track conditions and you can actually do a flyover of the track and it gets updated every three minutes so you can see where the wind's actually hitting the horses uh, or you know if there is any and and it gives you the strength and where how it's affecting the track and it's a it's a fantastic uh tool because that uh from that 1400 meter start it's the one that gets the most probably impact uh if it's a crosswind and if it's a headwind down the straight uh they often huddle down the outside but uh it's certainly a, a really good uh, uh tool uh with regard to that and the, the biggest impact on any track uh with regard to wind in melbourne is caulfield because the old guineas grandstand around the home turn was taken down about 20 odd years ago maybe 25 years ago and it's very open down that part of the track and uh if uh, the wind's hitting them there. Uh, the jockeys will tell you, though, that if it's a crosswind down the side, you're better to be three wide because the inside horses get buffeted. So, yeah, there's a lot that, that's into the, uh, probably the, the science of what, how it affects them on the day. Yeah, it's very important, right. Dean, okay, in, the, in, the, in the straight race at Flemington. It was, was it a nor'easter at um, Flemington? And... A hot northerlies, uh, you go down, you can go down the inside and win. They, they just put the spinnaker out and go. And... Uh, 
uh, <clears throat> and yeah, it's. I think that's. I think that's how it plays out. But uh, yeah, with, I'm not that great with directions, Buns. But uh, the the wind track is helping me enormously. Just clicking on that a couple of times through the meeting. I'm lucky to drive oh, the right beautiful. way there. Won't worry yeah. about what the wind's doing. <laughs> uh, let's get to Andrew. Morning, Andrew. Morning, uh, Dean. Yes, Andrew. Yeah, um, Robert Hickmont. Um, I noticed uh, his names are two uh, at Caulfield at Mount Macedon. Are they one of the same? Yep. Yeah, George? absolutely. And I noticed he, well, he's back, tra- obviously, he's back training for the Williams team. He is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I he- mean, I, don't worry, I've, I've been following Lloyd's horses since about what a nuisance. And that goes back a fair way. But I just like, um, and I keep following. I know that you seem to follow them. You know a fair bit about them too. But uh, no, I was just interested. Um, you know, being, reading sports bet and going through the fields, and I see the ah hit and I say, ah, I'll just see what the colours are, and they're different colours, and also the fact that he's training at Caulfield. So I just thought I'd check with you um, what the story is. Yeah, well, he's actually got. You'll actually maybe even see the name in three bases because. Uh, He's also got a small stable at Ballarat, which is about to become a bigger stable because with the closure of Caulfield training, I think Rob's going to Ballarat. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. yeah, Ballarat and Macedon. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so um, he certainly, uh, he certainly, you know, uh, travels between the two. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh. Anyway, all thanks to Lloyd's team. Uh, uh, I like it when he comes up to Sydney. He said he comes up for the uh, provincials. But anyway, yeah, we put <laughs> up with that. Yeah, I think Nick Thanks, Andrew. Uh, now, okay. Dave, we, we, we tend <laughs> to provide smarts. great fodder and uh, for the journalists here in Sydney by listening to this program and breaking news. So here's some breaking news for you, courtesy right. of Mike Wood, uh, the Ramwick uh, track man there. Are you, and he's just are you listening, Ruder? Is Ruder listening? Yep. Put the pens okay. poised perpendicular to the page here, boys. Right, uh, Mike, we are in the process. This is regarding the, the wind... Uh, Situation at Ramwick. We are in process. We are in the process of bringing this information to everyone, and we are just working on the detail. So there you are. We will have a situation at uh, well Ranwick anyway. Mike's uh, didn't say whether Wind. it's going to be all tracks, but I I can't see any reason why it won't be all tracks. But uh, Sydney will be having uh, information put out to um, anyone that wants to take it uh, regarding wind uh, on the racetracks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to the Vindaloo the night before, months before STC. No, that that now we would got... be very important, Dave, at the night meetings at Canterbury with the oh. food. <laughs> I think we've been measuring the wind off the track uh, in the last uh, hour, too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to uh, to Kurt. Morning, Kurt. Morning, Dave. Morning, boys. How are you all? Very good. What's, uh, what's on your mind? Hey, man's South, mate. How you doing? Oh, mate, it was uh, good, great to see uh, Mark Nichols there score a try in his 100th match. And uh, I'll send something to Lachlan Lewis in the post and a few others there. That's probably one of the best brain snaps I've ever seen in rugby uh, league. You always give a good horse uh, a second chance, mate. He's a good kid, mate. I, I don't know what could happen there, but, you know, not going to crucify him for that. Are you crook, Kurt? You crook. You sound flat, Kurt. Oh, mate, my eardrums, my nostrils, my throat, I'm fed ink. I'm, I'm just... It's unbelievable, but there's nothing. I feel great, but it's just conge- congestion, congestion to the max. But Munz, I'm glad you're there, mate. Cause yeah, a you couple haven't been a Bondi without a mask on, Kurt, have you? Sorry, mate. <laughs> you haven't been a Bondi without a mask on. You might have to go and get the COVID test. No, don't worry I think about me, mate. You should go and have a COVID test, Mun. Yeah. Right, Kurtie, what do you need? Munzy, two Saturdays at Rua Car Car. 
I saw a, war, uh, a cocked plate horse of mine that I'll be backing. But the thing is, it's not in the market. It's called Maxabil for Tony Pike there. It was only a 74. It went back-to-back wins there. But uh, it was easily, it's easily a good horse. I've got a feeling he's going to send this over there. It's, it's four from ten. Um, it was only a 74, 2,100 metres, Munns. I'm just wondering if there's any chance of getting this in the market, please. Kurt, I'll put it in for you. So you're tipping a horse winning benchmark 74 races in New Zealand as a Cox Plate contender. Put it this way. There was a feature race on the card. It was easily the best win of the day there. It's just the time, the time of year it was. And Munns... Um, what's it, what's it called? Coming. What's it called? There's already Frank Form Munns on, on, on Wednesday. Chrissy Lee's import there from New Zealand, that one on Wednesday at Canterbury. I forgot it's Matterhorn. Matterhorn's one out of it. Barbara, another horse won out of it at Rural Karka, incidentally, this Saturday that just passed. Nothing wrong with it, Munns, so have a look at it, mate. Maxabil. Yeah, Munns. Come on, yeah, Munns. Come on, Munns. And, yeah. and what's it, what's it called? What's it called? What was How the name do you of spell it, it Kurt? It's, it's not yeah. M-A-X-I-B-E-L or... M-A-K-Z-A-B-E-L, Maxabil. Oh, you should have known that, Munns. Oh, no, because yeah. Maxabil was a 12-year-old gelding by Zabil who yeah. died a few years nah, ago. No, this is a four-year-old no. gelding, Munns. Boys a bill out of Anna Bill. Hey, well, I'm in lockdown, Kurt, so I've got nothing to do, so I'll, I'll, I'll get that done for you. No worries, I know that mate. the Hill Stakes prize money and that's taken a hike, but surely the Cox Plate's not going to be won by a 74 Raider from Real Car Car. Oh, well, we never know, Dean. Even the you never know. Like There's another option. You know, Dean, if he misses out on the start of the Cox Plate, can always come to the Hill Stakes. That's come right, exactly. exactly. Hey, hey Dean, oh, I've got one for you, my friend. Right. One of your, I reckon one of your mates has got a good horse, Dean, but it's just gone under the radar because it's been out for, it's got tipped out after a win. Simon Miller, Liwa, L-I-W-A. There's easily a Group Three or a Group Two even over there in WA for it. Have you seen it, Dean? Uh, yes, yeah. I think you're probably right there. Ah. Um, yeah, she's uh, pretty pretty handy, Liwa. Yes. How how handy do you think? Oh, well, it should be aimed up at what you were sort of talking about, I think, in time. So, uh, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd keep following there. Yeah. And, Dean, can I just say, yesterday, I was looking forward to yesterday at Pakenham, then more than Saturday at headquarters. Fairink and Moini Machine, Norway, Social Big Blue. Element, uh, what's the name? The other good blue uh, come back Big from blue. Cheltenham. Big Blue. Yeah. How good was it, Dean? It was a phenomenal day. It was probably, the I would say, the best jumps meeting uh, I've seen really uh, because oh, it's a pity it was a Pakenham team well it was but uh, the, the, I think the good thing about it was it wasn't too heavy so most of the horses could handle it and uh, you'd just like to see a few more jumps so there's not enough jumps in those uh, races at Pakenham unfortunately and uh, but it was a it was a, a spectacular day of racing and uh, I think Munns the turnover was really good too uh, for a, a jumps only meeting I think it was the, the best that they've ever had yeah, hey, Rudolph, he's calling Norway, Dean. Oh, I think Norway, uh, Norway might end up in St. Ledger up there again, like uh, Big Blue did a few years ago. Don't be surprised. Uh, a bit Thanks. of jumping might have uh, stimulated him into action. I think hey, Kurt's got a question there, for Ruder. Yeah, he is, mate. Yep, Ruder, you there? Yep. Hurricane Lane, uh, Hurricane Lane Ruder, at Longchamp on thir- early Thursday morning. Please, did you see it? Yeah, it was, it was a good win, wasn't it? It's one of those horses that's going to be um, coming through, through, and you can follow over there. You get on your contacts after and get good. Thursday, after Thursday night, I, I, I was um, uh, at Sandwich watching the golf for the next four nights. 
Have you got Charlie's number? Tell him to bring it down here, mate. Very competitive. Oh, super competitive. I'll give Cox a call and see what he says. Yeah, it's oh, a beauty. <laughs> Thanks for that, Kurt. Uh, stay safe, mate, and uh, and get better too. Um, dear, that's gold. Boys, uh, some horses to follow before we get to our New South Wales previews. I'll start with you, Brad Davidson. What are we following, mate? Yeah, we're going to follow Criminal Code in a race number, what was it, six or five? Oh, the five there on the weekend, a horse that won over the mile. He, look, his first up win was outstanding. He pulled up lame and was wide off the track second up and third up there. He was super to get the job done when not fencing runs, so against the pattern of the day and I think stepping up to 1,800, 2,000, I think he's going to make a really nice middle distance horse. This preparation and the other one, as alluded to earlier, Amoretti, I'm not sure a horse beating 28 lengths has ever been uh, put as a horse to follow on this program, but I've got a big, uh, I'm a big believer in cardiac arrhythmia next start. You, you back them at good odds, and uh, he was so good first up, I think third up. Look out for him at big odds next time out. All right, I'll go to you, Chris Roots, next. Uh, horses to follow, mate. Yeah, first of all, criminal code. Chris Waller's looking at a Wyong Cup, Newcastle Cup sort of preparation with it. With it. Funnily, that race, the wind dropped, so coming down the outside probably wasn't as big a advantage, a big a disadvantage as as you you would think. Being at the track, it was, and being one of the lucky ones to be at the track, it was it, it just dropped off that, for that race, and you know it made a lot of ground, so very good win. I I'm going to go surf dancer first up in Australia, did all the hard work out in front, got smashed with the wind, and probably was the reason why expat. Went, went back and had cover, but um, I think it's a nice horse and a winner a few races. Fantastic. Uh, Dino, what's uh, your horses to follow, mate? A couple that were out of their grades that day, Dave, but ran well. A horse called De Niro. Uh, he's a good midweek, lower grade Saturday horse. He was in the open handicap uh, one bar by Bartholomew Diaz. Uh, ran well. Uh, if he just goes back in grade, he can win. And a horse in the last uh, called the... No, I'm not going to say the Autumn Sun. The Awesome Sun... Uh, he uh, ran very well in the last race. He's a maiden, only having his second start and uh, was tried in open three-year-old grade. Uh, like to see him back to a 16, 1800-metre maiden. Uh, he'll be winning very soon. Beautiful. And uh, last but not least, Munns, your horse to follow, mate. Um, Dave, I'm going to go with Diamonds and Stones, uh, a horse for Team Hawks. He sat outside the lead, cut the breeze there, but he was first up and he trialled six weeks ago. So um, that's an unusual preparation for Team Hawks. And of the horses on speed in that race there, he finished um, well closest of all of them. And I think there's a horse there that it, I know uh, we've got to get a better track for him. I think he's going very, very well at the moment. Matawa Tapi. Uh, for Bjorn Baker. He just got back and got wide, but he's never, ever really comfortable on bad tracks. I know he won at Warwick Farm, but Warwick Farm a little bit better there on his home track. And uh, I think he's going very, very well at the moment, but needs a little bit firmer surface. All right, boys. Uh, thanks so much for your efforts this morning on the winter edition of Punters Postmortem. We'll chat to you next Monday. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dave.